بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ پیس اینڈ بلیسنگز آف اللہ بی اپون یو ویلکم ٹو انادر ایڈیشن آف دی ڈرائیو ٹائم شو ہے آن دا وائس آف اسلام ریڈیو ان دس پارٹ آف دا شو وی آر ٹاکنگ اباؤٹ اے ویری ویری امپورٹنٹ ٹاپک اینڈ دیٹ از اباؤٹ مینٹل ہیلتھ میٹرز بٹ اسپیسیفکلی ان ریلیشن ٹو ٹو چلڈرن ایز ویل ویل گیٹ ان ٹو سم فیکس اینڈ فگرز اینڈ وائی وائی دس از سو امپورٹنٹ ایز ویل بٹ ٹو گیو اس لٹل بٹ مور آف آف این انسائٹ Let's speak to our let's speak to our first guest uh, who is on the line with us Andy Bell the chief executive communications and public affairs at Center for Mental Health Peace Pepone good afternoon and welcome to the show Andy Hi thank you very much thank you so much for for joining us um to begin with can you please uh, give our listeners a brief summary of uh, the Center of Mental Health and sort of uh, how, how it works uh, with with children Yeah, thank you. Uh, so we're Centre for Mental Health. We are a charity, an independent charity, and uh, our work is all about tackling inequalities in mental health across society. Uh, we predominantly do that through research, using evidence, and uh, uh, making sure that, that, that we really put equality at the heart of, of uh, our mental health and try to change policies so, so that... Uh, mm. particularly children uh, but people of all ages have the best possible chance of good mental health in their lives absolutely now when you when you talk about uh, how you help uh, children especially as well how, how do you sort of uh, look towards that with the you know with with diff- people from different backgrounds different uh, you know people come from different diverse backgrounds such as culture the ethni- ethnicity uh, socioeconomic status and other factors as well how how do you sort of uh, approach working with sort of uh, diverse um you know spectrum of ch- children mm, no that's absolutely right and and um i mean because we're a research organization uh, our work with children is is really about understanding their perspectives and listening to their views and indeed the views of their families and and the professionals working with them uh so we spend a lot of time Uh, evaluating uh, new programs, new ways of supporting children and young people with their mental health. We look at the evidence about how schools can be more mental health friendly environments, what can be done to support parents to give their children the best chance in life, uh, and, and really working with diversity is fundamental to that. So, so, so um, very often that's about working alongside community organizations uh and 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 we increasingly do a lot of work using for example peer research where where people from a community uh carry out the research with their community rather than research being done to a group from from uh, people who aren't part of it now when we're talking about uh, or when we talk about social media can you tell us a little bit about the role of uh, technology and social media as well uh in children's mental health and how this can be addressed as well because sometimes this can be a major factor uh for you know for for their mental health uh, as well yeah it's 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 an area which we're just starting to understand and and um there've been a lot of things said about the role of social media in children's mental health some of which are are very worrying hmm. uh, i think there are particular concerns about children being exposed to to um imagery or content which which is very unsafe for example mm. relating to to uh, uh, self-harm and and suicide and we know that it's really important that that um, uh, social media companies and governments uh, try try to to keep that content safe but also we know that the children do live in a digital world now we can't make that go away as much mm. as many parents would like to 
So it's also about how schools are equipping children to cope, to live in that age, to have the skills to know how to navigate the digital world safely, uh, and indeed how we support parents. Um, many, many parents of young children are now people that have grown up in the digital world too, so, so they're more knowledgeable about it, but, but they may not know how to support their children. Correct, you know, Andy. I, when we look at um, when we when we when we were younger, obviously our parents didn't know what uh, this new social media um, age is, and it was really difficult for them to um, guide us and help us through this and navigate us through social media at that time. Mm-hmm. And you know, with this, I wanted to ask, you know, how do we um, how do you approach uh, bridging political health and social boundaries in your work towards um, having a better uh, children's mental health? Yeah, really good question. I mean, I think what what we're trying to do at Centre for Mental Health is bring all those different groups together. So so, um, young people have very clear views about what affects their mental health and what doesn't. Um, and in fact, when we talk to young people, the things that really bother them aren't necessarily about social media, though that is there. Yes. But what they're really worried about is is um, financial difficulties, not knowing, not having teaching about life skills in school, for example, worrying about their family's uh, finances, uh, not knowing whether they're going to have a good chance in life to, to get work, build a career when, when they're older. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of young people are worried about the climate crisis yes. and the impact on their mental health in the future. So I think one of the really crucial things is we really listen to what young people are saying uh, and look at political so- solutions that address those needs. And so we spend a lot of time talking to people in in parliament, in government, in local councils, uh, in the NHS about the things that young people say are important to them. Mm -hmm. Um, We're we're currently supporting a campaign by a wonderful group called Not So Micro, which is a group of young people um, who are campaigning for teachers to have training in in dealing with microaggressions, racist microaggressions within schools and knowing how to to prevent and handle those. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's come from young people. That hasn't come from adults. That's come from young people saying, this is what would really help our mental health. Yes. You know, Andy, um, obviously I'm just comparing myself when I was younger and with the generation which is growing up today. We had less awareness of all the issues um, uh, surrounding us. Obviously there were issues there at that time, for example, ch- children's mental health. But mm. isn't too much awareness also causing um, an effect on children's mental health? I think, I mean, it's a really interesting uh, thing, and I don't think we know the answer to it. Yes. I think generally what we know is that children have always had uh, high levels of anxiety and difficulties uh, that, that have often been ignored and just gone completely um unnoticed by the adults around them and and possibly they haven't had the support to know how to describe those feelings and thoughts that they're having. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think now awareness is generally a very positive thing um, because we know that awareness leads to action. The crucial thing, though, is is that we take awareness and turn it into literacy. Mm-hmm. You know, we, 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 we educate children a lot about their physical health, don't we? And yes. tell them, you know, what you should eat about exercise. We need to do the same for children's mental health so that they become aware of the things that can help their mental health, the things that might harm it, and, and the ways in which they can get support. And, of course, if young people need support, it needs to be there. Raising awareness of something and then not providing uh, help isn't very good. Um, But I think overall, the increasing awareness, the fact that children and young people are happy to talk about mental health, do so routinely, 
is a really positive change over the last decade or Correct. so. And do you know, um, Andy, how um, can we provide resource and um, access those resources to help out children and the families to navigate through this difficult patch? Yeah, there are some brilliant resources produced by our friends at Young Minds. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a great charity, and, and um, if anyone wants access, there's both resources for children and for parents available through Young Minds. So, so they are well worth looking up. Uh, there are lots of other uh, forms of help and support. There, there are crisis lines, for example, through Shout, mm-hmm. um, the, and of course, Childline as well. So, so there are lots of, of resources out there. It can be sometimes hard to know where to find them. Um, but I think Young Minds is a really great place to start. Perfect. Thank you so much, Andy. And I hope our listeners, if, if they're facing any difficulties now, this, um, they can go and visit Young Minds to find those resources and guide themselves through this um, time of um, any mental health issues they have. Thank you so much Absolutely. for joining us today, Andy. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Assalamu alaikum. So this was Andy Bell, um, mm. who is a Chief Executive Communicator, um, Communications and Public Affairs at Centre for Mental Health. You know, um, yeah. I agree with him um, that education, educating young children especially, regarding mental health, because when we were younger, because I was comparing th- um, to our time, mm. These things were there, but they were not talked about it. Yeah. And uh, what happened is when someone was facing those difficulties, we tend to ignore them at that time. But obviously, nowadays, we have so much awareness. For example, we are, we're going to the week for children's mental health, mm. and it's it's a week dedicated to them. Um, but when we were younger, they might be out there, but it wasn't so clear to us. Yeah. At that time, I I understand, I, and I and I agree with you know what what you're saying as well, and with what Andy Bell said as yes. well. And one of the things which I liked about what he said as well was that we talk about we talk about physical well being a lot. We yes. say you know this is what you should eat. This is a balanced diet. Eat your five a day, vegetables, fruit, and all of that. Have that balanced diet. Keep yourself physically active as well, and uh, that's it. But then when it comes to mental health, I I, I don't think. There's that much emphasis or that much stress, which has uh, you know, which which is laid upon the children that this is you know this is going to affect your mental health. Um, this is what you should be doing. This is what you should not be doing. This is what you should avoid. And these are some you know some guidelines and what you can what you can do yes. um, to help to maintain that stable um, mental health because everyone's got mental health. It's about keeping that stable. It's about keeping that in balance, in check, and making sure. Um, you don't, you know, it, it doesn't get affected in any way whatsoever. Correct. Of course, we can talk about physical mental health, but mental mental health is just as important as well. Correct. You know, just for a few stats for our listeners also, ten percent yeah. of children and young people aged five, five to sixteen um, have a clinically diagnosable mental problem, mm. and fifty percent of mental health problems are established by the age fourteen and twenty. Yeah. Uh, that's fifty percent. That's fifty percent. Yeah. And age uh, and twenty percent of uh, mental uh, was adolescent may mm. experience a mental health problem in any given year, uh, and alarmingly, seventy five percent of children and young people who experience mental health problems are getting um, are not getting any help they need, according to um, Mental Health Foundation UK. <laughs> and that's quite alarming, isn't it? Yes, I think uh, you know, but. By the age of fourteen, imagine if you you know if you have a hall full of children or full of fourteen-year-olds, and you say half of them are going through mental health crisis or mental health problems, that's quite alarming. That's that, that is quite alarming, 
And uh, in recent news by the BBC, it was actually reported that children are as little as children as little as nine are being exposed to online um, sort of you know um, pornography. And according to a study for for the children's commissioner for England, this is what they sort of uh, you know recollected and the data that they actually the study that they actually found as well. And it is lifelong lifelong psychological, emotional, even physical effects on uh, you know on any person who's actually going through that. Great. And that's uh, that's that's you know that's disgusting. You know, as little as nine. That's you know that's not that's primary school. Um, and in our small effort. Um, of you know, spend you know, spreading awareness on this topic. This is something that we are actually talking about. This is why we're doing a topic as well on mental health, and especially when it comes to children's mental health and their well-being as well. Correct. And all of these different matters which are in relation uh, to that as well. Of course, you know, when it comes to children and young people, adolescences, their parents are obviously you know, they're you know, there to look out for them. And obviously, they are the ones who are actually the primary sort of uh, uh, people who act- who the children actually go to. Yes. Or sometimes they might not go to them. They might go to someone else. They might go to their friends. They might go to their even their teachers. They might go to you know someone else who they're comfortable with. But mostly, children um, would come to their parents. But but it's it, you know sometimes it's important as well to actually look for these different things as well. Yes. You know, for parents to actually look for them in their children, because it might seem as if their child is okay, mm-hmm. but sometimes what may happen is that they're too embarrassed to talk about it, and when they become too embarrassed to talk about it with anyone else, then they keep it in, and if they keep it in for a long time, then you know that can have a detrimental effect on them in the long run. Yes. So you know, it's it is a difficult. It is a difficult sort of uh, situation which children are actually going through. Of course, it's not everyone; it's not every single child that's going through this as well. But you know, the the statistics that have uh, come through as well: ten percent of children. You said that ten percent of children uh, who are at the age of five to sixteen year olds mm-hmm. have uh, a clinically uh, diagnosable mental health problem as well, and fifty percent of fourteen year olds are going through uh, this problem as well. You know, Shajil, um, yeah. I was speaking to youngsters um, a couple of days back and yeah. we were talking about and they were saying about bullying and all that. Mm. And it's also, this also link, uh, all links to mental health also, right? Yeah. And from what I um, thought from that is it's about them opening up, be- feeling safe and feeling trusted that this some social um, g- um, program gathering, or gathering or this, yeah. of group of uh, a small bunch of people there, I can speak up. Mm. So, you know, they need that that safety, the safeguarding, yeah, they that, so yeah. so they can they can open up, mm-hmm. and you know, with speaking, um, we, we can get them those kind of treatments also, right? Mm. And you know, and it's all about being able to open up, to be able to express ourselves. To mm. for that, the person needs to get the courage in exactly. within himself. I can't, I can't, I cannot instill it with, in, yeah, but I can, true. I can tell him I'm here, but he he has to open up. Mm. And to be able to um, say yes, um, this is the issues I'm facing. I need some guidance on it. And it's and right, yeah. What you mentioned as well that if when those children are feeling safe, that you know that when if they talk to you, they know that you're not going going to tell X, Y, and Z. Yes. And they know that you know whatever whatever happens here, it stays here. You know these four walls, it stays here as well. And if they know that they're in a safe place, then they will open up definitely. Yes. 
Isn't it's it? it has to be a safe a haven safe. for them. Exactly. And exactly. nothing else, because without having a safe haven, children do tend to just take a few steps back. Mm. Exactly. But you know, when it comes to, because obviously, you know, if, if from an Islamic perspective, yes. if we look at, you know, uh, mental health problems as well, and because mental health problems, it, it is a suffering that one goes through. Correct. It is a, it is a, a sort of discomfort which one goes through as well, isn't it? When they when they're feeling a bit down. Now, Abu Huraira, who was a companion of the Holy Prophet, uh, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he says that the Holy Prophet said that never a believer is is, is stricken is uh, uh, you know or faces with any sort of discomfort and uh, and any sort of illness or anxiety or grief or mental worry or even the pricking of a thorn but Allah the Almighty will expiate his sins or you know forgive his sins on account of his patience uh, as well so if he endures these problems if he goes through these uh, you know these uh, discomforts these illnesses if he goes through anxiety if he goes through all of these different issues whether they be physical or mm-hmm. mental or psychological whatever problems that they may be Allah the Almighty will actually forgive his sins uh, because of this, uh, because of this as well. So you, we can understand that it's not. Yes, it is a difficult time. It is a difficult period to go through, and no doubt it is difficult. And you will need uh, medication as well. And you can, and you know, it's not wrong. It's not wrong to take medication. It's not wrong to ask for for help as well. But with these things, we believe that Allah the Almighty will, you know, forgive forgive our sins on you know on this regard on a spiritual level mm-hmm. uh, as well. So. It's not all bad. There is, you know, some light at the end of the tunnel as well. But obviously, like you mentioned before, so you have we have to try and be brave and open up if we, if we, if we can as well. Um, we'll speak a little bit more about this as well. But let's get our next guest, who's on the line with us, James Emmett, uh, from a place to be and a place to be counselor and a clinical ad- a supervisor as well. Peace be upon you. Good afternoon. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for uh, joining us this afternoon as well. Just to begin with, can you tell our listeners about uh, what what Place to Be is and the sort of the services that you provide for children? Absolutely, it'd be a pleasure. Place to Be is a, a children's mental health charity with the UK's leading provider of school-based children's mental health services. We're actually uh, only a couple of years off 30 years old, and that's a long, long time Mm. when it comes to mental health um, in the UK. Um, We are always about early intervention and prevention, and we're always about supporting communities to support children and young people. Uh, We're in about 500 schools um, across the UK, Mm. and we're closing on supporting a community, a school community of nearly a quarter of a million children and young people. Wonderful, wonderful. And hopefully, you know, that, that increases uh, more and more as well. So more people know about this as well and become more aware. Um, James, Place to Be uh, collaborates with many other organizations as well, isn't it? Can you tell us a little bit more about the Black African Asian Therapist Network and how this is, you know, beneficial for, for, for the people in this? Absolutely, yeah. Like all organizations, I mean, it's Children's Mental Health Week this week and our yeah. theme is Let's Connect. And that, you know, that, that helps. Um, how young people can deal with their uh, feelings and mental health problems, but also how society can. And we don't have all the answers, so wherever we can, we always connect with other organisations. And since the Black Lives Matter movement shone a spotlight on the 
continuing racial inequalities around the world and you know absolutely here in the uk we've been really committed to creating an equal and diverse and inclusive culture but we've got loads more work to do i think the whole of society does and, and we've been working with the black african asian therapist network and their director and founder eugene ellis for years now um, he's done webinars, um, done guest blogs for us, um, and helped us have race conversations. Uh, and one of the other things that we're doing at the moment with support from one of our funders, PwC, uh, is we're designing, we're in the middle of actually piloting it, we've designed a racial awareness in schools program to support secondary school students, but we're actually getting, getting knocks on the door from lots of primaries as well to talk about race, racism, and the impact on mental health. Mm-hmm. So, um, James, if you can tell us um, how, you know, we as youngsters and children, they face a lot of peer pressure and bullying, and how does that have affect their mental health being? Absolutely, yeah. I, I think I heard you talking about it a little bit earlier. Yes. I mean, it's such a difficult time of our lives. Uh, young people want to be accepted by their friends. I think that the, our peers' opinions, our friends' opinions are more important uh, you know, in our teenage years than at any other stage Correct. of our life. Um, children often bully because they themselves feel powerless or helpless. And it's usually, you know, when we support young people who have been identified as bullies, we often identify them as vulnerable children themselves. Um, there's lots of you know, reasons why that might happen. The key thing here is just like the theme for this year's Children's Mental Health Week, it's all about let's connect. And we want to make sure that, you know, there are communities supporting these children in schools, out of schools. You've got this fantastic radio station that's got a community in itself. Islam, faith, culture. It's all about how we can all be part of the solution. Um, You can help the bully as well as the bullied. And find out what they need to to feel better about themselves. Uh, you know, James correctly said. You know, um, most of what happens with bullies also they tend to be vulnerable also, and when they're somewhere at a stronghold, and they tend to get even um, show the power at that time because they're powerless somewhere else. And so, Definitely. yes. So I wanted to ask. You know, are there any programs out there to help the bullies and who are getting bullied also, or or, or who are facing mental health issues? Well, obviously, I mentioned before, yes. we've got specific programs around race and racism, and that's something that we just want to keep developing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and every year we run Children's Mental Health, we, we founded it in 2015, and we come up with a different theme, and we've had diversity and self-esteem. Every year we've got to come up with a new theme and release brand new resources out into the communities and schools that mm-hmm. we can really pinpoint and focus on this important subject, um, you know, at the very least once a year. But, of course, it's every day of the year, for us. And when we have a school-based project, which is a big part of what we do, we have programs embedded in that project. So we work with the staff, give them spaces to think about children's needs. Mm-hmm. We work with parents. There's no point working with you know children in isolation. Yes. Uh, we do whole class work. And we do these, I mean, I'd say most of our, or a huge amount of our safeguarding. So where children come and disclose, I know you were talking about this earlier, um, really difficult things that are going on for them. Yes. They happen in our service, which is called Place to Talk, which is a self-referral 15 to 30-minute session mm-hmm. during lunchtime or breaks that a young person can come along to on their own or with a friend, just talk about what's troubling them. We, we, we do one-to-one counselling, group work, family practitioners. We've got a massive online training offer for schools 
and we had 67,000 teachers sign up for our free training in the last two years, wow. which I think says something about how important they feel it is, how urgent and how desperate they are for yes. that extra support in schools. There's a lot of overwhelmed people out there. So, so James, you just mentioned place uh, to talk, and uh, a child can walk up to it and be anonymous about it and ask, for example, the teacher there, I am facing those issues, and that teacher will not be discuss, discussing it with, with anyone else, or they have to report it to the school. So I'll tell you what happens. So yes. it's, it's always a trained counsellor, mm-hmm. one of our place to be school project managers or a mental health practitioner. We have two different roles in schools. Okay. And the young person will... Some schools have it, they're pretty high-tech, they've got a digital appointment system, um, but lots of schools just use a slip. So there's a little post box, and they'll write down their name that they want to come and talk about something. And then the school project manager will um, put an appointment in their register. So they'll get an appointment, might be the first slot of lunchtime, say 12 o'clock, and they've got 20 minutes. Unless you come along on their own, Mm -hmm. they'll come along, there's a contract at the start of it that's really clear about what can be held and what might need to be shared to look after them. And then, you know, once they know that and it's really clear, mm-hmm. and often children are coming back time and time again, so it's really, really normalised for them, uh, they'll share what's going on for them. And, you know, we're really careful not to to find that balance between not keeping secrets, mm-hmm. but also respecting their confidentiality. But quite often we know that, you know, parents, teachers and other agencies sometimes need to be involved to help protect them. Perfect. Understandably. And so, yeah. James, I'm sorry, before I uh, wanted to ask, you know, how long ago was this program started? Because when I was younger, I don't remember having a place to talk or someone going up to that um, section where you can talk to someone. And I said, you talk to a teacher or someone from the uh, admin team. Yeah, I mean, it was very, very rare. There's been a, obviously, since COVID mm-hmm. and since the, I mean, there's so much, it's been such a tough couple of years, isn't it? Yes. You know, we've had the pandemic, we've had, the food poverty crisis, we've now got a war in Europe, and actually it's left a lot of people, not just children and young people, a lot of adults feeling quite wobbly about living in this world. So this is why we want to bring communities together, yes. agencies, and, and it, it, so we're seeing a lot of growth right now, a lot of schools who've never had a counsellor coming to us and saying, you know, can we have one of your projects, please? Can, you know, can we fund one of your projects in our school? Because we're really seeing the need but like you're saying there, there's always been the need. You know, you know, it, it, there's always been mental health. There's always been children. Um, and yes, there's a lot going on about it right now. Um, but there's so many people come to me and say that I wish that this had been there when I was at school. And what can we do to help, you know, place to be get into schools now? Because this is so important. Perfect. Thank you so much, Jim, for joining us today and enlightening our listeners and us also today in today's oh. Drive Time Show. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullah. Now that was that was James Emmett, yes. and, and a, a pleasure to have him uh, on as well. And you know, one of the things which he mentioned, um, which is actually very much in line with the with the teachings of Islam, as well. He was he said to help the you know the the uh, the person who's getting bullied, and also help the bully as well. Correct. And you know, the Holy Prophet of Islam, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he once said that you must help the oppressed. And help the oppressor. Now the companions over there who were listening um, at that time, they they said, "Oh, messenger of God, we you know we understand how we need to help that person who is you know who is oppressed mm-hmm. because obviously you know they they you know their their rights are being taken away from them." 
But how can we help or why should we help the oppressor? And the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said that, you know, if he does injustice, then stop his hand. Mm-hmm. You know, if he's doing injustice, if, if he's, if he's, you know, um, you know, committing crimes or if he's doing this and that, if he's misusing his, uh, you know, his authority, then then make him realize that what you're doing is wrong. Right. What you're doing is not, it's not justice. And ha- that's how you can help the, the oppressor. So likewise, the person who's getting bullied, of course, we need to help that person as well. But maybe the person who is the bully, he is going through or she is going through some some trouble sometimes as well. That's why that person is resorting to bullying as well. Yes, that's why when I, when I asked James yeah, this question we, also, we said, yeah. so, you know, uh, exactly. what sometimes happens is when you're at power somewhere else, you enforce that power. And yeah. when, when you're powerless at some place, you you don't show your power there. And mm. someone, if you, for example, let's say I'm um, six foot uh, in primary school, for example, mm. obviously it's, it's quite, quite a massive gap, right? There, yeah. but then you're, and you, you, can, you can enforce your power there. Mm. But when you're somewhere else and there's this eight foot guy there or someone <laughs> there, you feel yeah. powerless in front of them because uh, the height issue there. So just that's a small example which just came in my head. Obviously, there are many factors which which mm. do play into it, mm. but it's all about um, having that power. And then James obviously elaborated on top of it, saying yes, we should be helping those who um, are power, um, um, bullying someone. They actually need help also mm. because they are missing something also. Yeah. They did and they express. That's the way of express uh, expression. Yeah. So, because no one just bullies out of that, yes. isn't it? There, there has to be a factor. There has to be a reason why it's that like person is doing effect. it. It's a cause, cause and effect. effect. Yes. Exactly. So obviously then that's why you have um, in in today's um, what's going on, 2023, these mm. many places where you can place to talk, for example. I remember um, having that in my school um, when I was young in my secondary or primary school where I could go and speak to someone. Yeah. And, you know, these things which are being provided or the facilities which are being provided to children nowadays. Mm. And, you know, I'm, I'm it's grateful. It's very positive. It's yeah. very positive. So a, ch- a child has many questions, right? When you're young, you have so many questions. You are thinking, overthinking sometimes also. Mm. How does this work? How does this happen? And sometimes you don't want to ask them yes. in front of other people, isn't it? Correct. You have to ask them just one-on-one and you make sure no one else knows about it. And then that's it. That's why I ask them also it. if you can go anonymously over there mm. and not have to report it. To, and obviously, the, and James... <laughs> Graciously explained it properly, saying, "Okay, there is a system. You can mm. book an appointment with them at your lunch time or break time. That you go there, then you speak with them, and if they uh, have to report some sections of it, mm. they have to obviously. It's for and, the, and that will be for their for, protection, for their own betterment, for, their own betterment. for, the, for the child's betterment. Exactly. And obviously, some things which have to be um, confidential, which are being shared in that safe space, mm. they will say confidential." And this way, the child feels in, in a safe haven. And remember, as we were talking even before, yeah. that children are looking for a safe haven where they can speak up and speak about their issues. Because, um, that's because um, when I'm looking at this over and over, over again, mm. I'm thinking back to the time in my secondary school. Mm. When I was there, was uh, obviously there was a different age, different decade, even it's like 10, 15 years back. But mm. obviously, it, time has developed so quickly technology has advanced so much so quickly as well yes <laughs> in my time we had those what's it called b- a massive TVs which had massive backs at the back right? yeah, yeah. and now you have those slim TVs mm. and if, what it's been 20 years yeah. this has changed so rapidly and the children have also grown up quicker 
You know, um, as you mentioned before, at the age of nine, children are, are being exposed to indecency mm, also. Exactly. That's also having an effect on, on their mental health. Yeah. Because they're thinking, okay, this is what what's happening, but and they don't know what what that, what that is properly. Mm. And for that, you need education. So that's why, you know, educating children is one thing, but educating the parents, the guardians, and educating teachers also. Because if I'm a teacher, I need that education also, right? Mm. Being a teacher, it doesn't mean I'm just educating someone. Obviously, you need education to feed someone else also. So all those people who are working or the admins who are working to facilitate that education to the child, we all need to educate ourselves um, and then we can provide it to them and they can, you know, make it better and even elaborate on top of it and make it even better for the next generation to to come after them. Yeah. No, I mean, obviously, obviously, whatever you know, all the knowledge that, that you know, you can pass it on to the Correct. next generation as well. And like you mentioned that because social media and, you know, technology as a whole is advanced so much and so quickly as well. I mean, you know, it, it, people haven't had the time to actually catch up and think of new ways on how we can keep our children in, you know, in check as well. How much we can, well, we, we'll talk a little bit more about, you know, social media and how that affects children Correct. in the next in the next sort of hour as well. Because obviously, these two topics are very much interlinked, yes. interlinked as well. Um, let's speak to our next guest though, who's who is on the line with us, Saima Mumtaz, who's a mother and also has a master's in family marriage couple counselling as well. Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you. Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Wa alaikum assalam and jazakumullah for having me on and it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for, for accepting our invitation as well and joining us. Now, to begin with, how do you incorporate Islamic teachings and values into your approach to parenting and also, of course, supporting your children's mental health? Right. So I've, you know, I've been a mom for 23 years now. So my oldest is 23 and um, parenting is not an easy job. It's it's really tough. And like my mom says, you know, she feels sorry for parents uh, nowadays because there's so much for us to kind of keep up with and, and monitor. You know, your previous guest talked about social media um, and all the other aspects that weren't there when... Um, you know, I was growing up. Hmm. So when I look at, um, you know, when I look at the Islamic spiritual teachings, um, to me, that's such a beautiful and holistic approach to parenting, because it not only, you know, incorporates the religious teachings, but I think it includes a lot of the emotional and the psychological uh, well-being for parents to know how to positively raise uh, their children, you know. Hmm. And um, I remember even before I became a mother, um, that I used to read the examples of the Holy Prophet وسلم, especially with his grandsons and daughters. Now, for me, as I started learning about counseling and, and, and you know parenting within the, the counseling framework, I understood that you know these examples of what the Holy Prophet وسلم, did with uh, with his own children and uh, grandchildren was a very beautiful example of positive parenting where. Um, you know, parenting wasn't punitive, but rather it was based on uh, teaching the children and, and having discussions. Mm. Um, you know, and you can see examples of the Promised Messiah Salam with his, um, you know, with his children as well. One of the most important factors that I incorporated um, in, my, in my home um, early on was to have, you know, um, these discussions about the showing uh, the love of Allah and his kindness and you know how you should turn to him in in times of need and and 
and your troubles and your sorrows. I mean, your parents are always there. Um, and we'll talk about like, you know, later on about, you know, how parents can make a safe space for their children. Mm -hmm. Um, but also the aspect of including the role of prayers, uh, you know, that's a, that's a powerful, uh, tool to have, uh, you know, within the context of mental health, um, to, you know, it's a huge coping skill for, uh, for a lot of people. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, how how do you educate your children? Um, I mean, just you, you touched upon that as well. But if you can just tell us a little bit more about how how do you educate your children about mental health problems and illnesses as well within the context of uh, being an Ahmadi Muslim and the teachings of uh, of, uh, of, uh, of 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 being of you know of Islam. Right. So I'm going to actually kind of step back, and I'm going to, uh, and this is from my own personal experience, and I think it makes a huge impact. I think before we educate our children, we kind of need to step back and reflect as parents hmm. um, and, and work on ourselves, right? So, you know, it's kind of like, you know, be the change that you want to see. Um, and this, and it's, it's hard work, it's hard work, but I think at the end, if you start working on, you know, yourself as parents, things like, you know, uh, yourself reflect on what are some, what are some of your triggers? Um, you know, that um, get you really angry and riled up and reactive to your children, Mm. Um, you know, and how well do you do, how, you know, well do you emotionally regulate yourself, right? Because that's huge. Uh, When you are a parent, you need to be that calm and safe space for the children. And then honestly, think about like, you know, your own growing up, you know, what were some parenting dynamics? Um, that your own parents utilized on you, right? And I think because that makes an impact on how you raise your children uh, too. And this could be negative and positive. And, but the, the one thing that I've learned is that honestly, these parenting can be a skill. It's not, you know, parents are born, like, you know, you're born and you know all the parenting, um, you know, good parenting. These, these are skill sets. So if there are some... Um, maladaptive or unhealthy uh, behaviors that parents have, they can, um, you know, unlearn them and relearn the new ones. Um, one of the other big things that, and and I think I did this before I be, started studying um, counseling, but, um, you know, we talk a lot about uh, emotions uh, in our home. And, and I really have discussions with my kids just connecting with them to find out what's going on in their lives and and things like that and um you know and then like with my kids I have found that there are uh three c's I call them three c's Mm -hmm. which is you should have connection compassion Mm -hmm. and communication with your children um now connection um you know our uh fifth alifa um, Hazrat Mirza Masoor Ahmad, um, you know, in his khutbas, he's talking, he has spoken a lot about making that connection with the children. And this is for both parents. I mean, when I'm talking about this, it's not just for mothers, it's for parents. Hmm. Um, so it's not just the mom making the connection, but the dad making the connection um, as well, because it's, especially in this day and age, and, in, you know, uh, we are running around and everything. And that, if you make that connection, your children will have, um, you know, they will communicate with you a lot more. The second one is compassion. Now, we've seen, um, you know, the Holy Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, had a lot of compassion for children. 
um, the promised Messiah, Salam, you know, um, they had a, he had a lot of compassion. And compassion is really just kind of stepping back for parents and, and not being reactive. Um, and trust me, it's really hard. <laughs> it is really hard when you have teenagers, um, you know, to not react, but kind of step back and be like, hmm, you know what? I, I feel you. I hear you. Um, you know, so and it's 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 tough. And communication is huge. Like when I think about communication, I think about, you know, you you look at the first prophet, Hazrat Adam, right? Um, Allah gave him the ability to, uh, the ability of language. So he can go and he can preach the, the tawheed or the oneness of Allah, right? Hmm. So like that was communication. Before that, they were individuals, but they weren't really, they didn't have the spoken language. At least I don't, I don't know if they did, but... Uh, but, you know, Hazrat Adam also had the understanding that communication um, makes a big, big impact. So, um, you know, in that same regard, uh, you you should start having, uh, com- you know, good communication with the kids. And one of the biggest things that I have found as a parent is validating your, uh, the first step is validating your children's uh, emotions. Now, a lot of parents think that, you know, that means that you're agreeing with them. No, you're just validating that, yes, you know, I see you are angry, I see you are hurt, I see you are happy, and that way, you know, people will, generally people will open up to those that understand what they're going through, so why shouldn't our children be the same, right? Hmm. Um, yes. So, you know, these are some 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 valid uh, points as well, some proactive uh, points as well that we can actually or especially parents that, that can actually look into as well so I mean we're coming towards the the end of our show as well very quickly if we can if we can ask mm-hmm. you just in one or two minutes how do you how do, I know it's, it, it must take longer than that but still how do you ensure mm-hmm. cultural sensitivity um, in approach to parenting yes um, well I mean that I think it's, it's so I've done um, I I, I do when I've done social work, social justice work, hmm. and the bleak work. Now, we're really blessed to have uh, a community, the Amdi Muslim community, that gives us a lot of opportunities to have interfaiths and a lot of opportunities to go into um, different communities, you know, that are different than our, than our own. Hmm. And um, I think it's very important for parents uh, to take their kids with them. Um, you know, which I think really makes a huge impact on uh, what we're talking about, you know, inclusivity and, right. and the cultural sensitivity. So it's more like modeling the behavior rather than telling them at home, which, you know, and then the other thing, you know, in our home, we've normalized discussions about inclusivity and cultural sensitivity, right? We, we talk a lot about it. We're open. And even if my kids have different uh, opinions, I go back through to the three C's, right? So we can continue to have those discussions. And the biggest thing is like, we always talk about, you know, love for all hatred for none. That's our, that's our slogan. That's our community slogan. And I think that just kind of encompasses, uh, you know, every, everything um, as far as, you know, love and compassion for those that are, that are different than you. And my kids and I, we, we have discussions about, you know, what does it really mean love for all hatred for none? And what does it look like? So, um, you know, I've always found that uh, very helpful to have this slogan because under that, 
you can have uh, many important discussions with your children about inclusivity and cultural sensitivity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's been a pleasure uh, speaking to you uh, as well. Thank you so much, Zakmullah. And uh, hopefully, you know, our listeners benefited from uh, from that as well. Zakmullah. for having me on. Now that was uh, Saima Muntaz, who who is uh, you know a mother, as she as she spoke about as well her different uh, experiences and yes. uh, how she you know um, sort of raised her children and you know the way that they go about tackling uh, mental health problems as well, and also masters in uh, family marriage co- uh, couple counselling as well. So very interesting with her tips uh, as well and then advice. Yep. Especially, you know, the three C's she mentioned, she mentioned like yeah. connection, compassion, and then communication. Mm. And it's actually that. It, it is that, yeah. Being able to connect to your children <laughs> and show that, yes, we are looking out for you. Mm. And then communicating them and guiding them at the same time saying, okay, if you think this way, but in actual, it should be done this way, for mm. example. If a road has to, you have to go right, but when actually you have to go left in the parents' mm. thing is to communicate and guide them no, you have to turn left from it instead of going right, which goes somewhere else and turn towards uh, this area mm. the, these are things, you know, for the children especially that parents have to guide them, that's something we're even talking and, and even when Sister Saima was mentioning is educating the parents also before we educate the exactly. children yeah. is, is um, educating ourselves the parents that, okay, this is happening and what? Why is it happening? Because the world's evolving day by day. If we stop fifteen years back, twenty years back, and and we stop there, and and you 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 won't be able to um, understand the world, which is in twenty twenty three right now, because you're uh, in twenty two thousand, and the a vast development which has been That's done true. in the past twenty three years, it's you know is is breathtaking. Absolutely. Absolutely. And all of these things, uh, you know, they are very much important. You yes. know, people may people ask, you know, why do we why do we talk about why do we talk about these problems? What are these problems, the taboo topics or whatever? But the thing is, is that when you don't talk about these problems, that's when they happen and you don't even know it. And then they happen so much and they, they become so, so deep that it's it's difficult for them to actually get out of it Correct. or it's difficult to actually cure it. So that's why in Islam, we think uh, and we practice that prevention is better than actually curing. Mm-hmm. You know, so prevention is better than uh, you know treat uh, better than treatment. Despite the fact that Islam provides the the prevention and also the treatment uh, as well. Um, so this is why this is why we we also talk about these topics. Mm-hmm. We, we you know we're trying our best to raise as much awareness as we as we actually can as well as it is. Um, the you know the children's mental health week um, you know which is t- taking part this week as well from the sixth to the twelfth of uh, February, so that's uh, this is one of the reasons why we we are talking about this as well and the you know the reasons why this is uh, why this is so why this is so important and yes. yeah when it comes to when it comes to um, mental health problems all of our guests they spoke about this as well this they you know all of them said that. We need to open up, correct to you know to to the children as well. We can't just expect them to tell us tell us their problems. You know, if you ask them, "Oh, do you have a problem?" Most they of the time, no. they're going to say no. They turn around, no. But you know, if it's the way that we connect with the children, the way that you know, uh, Simon also said as well, that we we connect with the children, the compassion that we show to them as well, the love and affection that we show to them, and this is you know what you mentioned before as well that when we have that safe haven. And then the children can think that you know now you know th- you know this is going to be beneficial for me. I can open up. 
to you know to to my problems and maybe I'll get a solution as well. Yes, that's when you know that's when you know things start getting positive as well. So this is how we can tackle mental health uh, problems uh, as well. Join us after the the news break as we will uh, go into our next topic, which is about uh, children and uh, and social media, why that is so important, how we can keep our children safe. Uh, in this world of social media as well. Join us after the break. With so many attacks on Islam and the Holy Prophet wasallam, let's set the record straight. He was a man of peace. He went through 13 long years of persecution for his beliefs. He was mocked and ridiculed, but he didn't retaliate because he was a man of peace. When he went to Taif to spread the message of Islam, he was pelted with stones until he was bleeding, yet he did not retaliate because he was a man of peace. When he migrated to Medina, he established the Charter of Medina, allowing the Jews, Christians and Muslims to live together in harmony with full religious freedom, because he was a man of peace. And after all the oppression that he faced, when he returned to Mecca as a king, he had the right and the power to punish every single one of them. Yet he forgave them, because he was a man of peace. The Holy Prophet said that no white man is superior to a black man, no Arab to a non-Arab. Rather, everyone is equal. He freed slaves and taught to treat them as brothers. He did all of this because he was sent as the Rahmatul Lil Alameen, a mercy for mankind. Indeed, the Holy Prophet was a true man of peace. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the Drive Time Show here on the Voice of Islam Radio. Now, before the break, we were talking about uh, about mental health issues, and especially when it comes to children and their mental health problems as well. But in this show, uh, in the, or in this part of the show. We're sort of talking about uh, another aspect, which which is in relation to children and social media. How social media can actually have, you know, a positive and a negative effect on uh, on on children's mental health. But you know, because you know, because this is, uh, you know, we're talking about mental health problems and what children are actually going through and facing as well on a day to day basis, and how fast uh, technology, how fast social media is progressing how dangerous it can be uh, as well. Now, social media has always been a controversial topic. Yes, of course. And especially more so uh, when it comes to children and their safety as well. We're actually asking a question on our Instagram handle at Voice of Islam UK. At what age should children be allowed to use Instagram? Now, a lot of people have given their, given their, um, given their feedback. Some people have said 20. Some, oh. Someone has said 15, 16, 16. 18, 17, 20, 21, <laughs> 20, 21, literally, for, for, you know, for the use of Instagram. Did anyone say 13, though? That's the question. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's, the, that's, that's the right answer, isn't it? Yes. I mean, I mean that's, not the, that's not the right answer. That's, that's Instagram's answer. Yeah, Instagram. That's, <laughs> that's, Instagram. Why, that's why I put it out there. <laughs> yeah, that's Instagram's answer. Now, that, that's why it's important, isn't it? It's important to actually realize that you know, it, a, a social media platform can be used <clears> for... You know, can be used for you know positive things. Can can be used for very good things. Yes. But on the other hand, it can be used for so many bad things uh, as well. Um, now, a new a new bill um, proposes that the bosses of social media companies could actually face jail if they fail to keep those who are under eighteen 
um, safe online. Now imagine, wow. imagine that. Imagine that. So in today's show, or just part of the show, we're going to be talking about the importance of keeping children safe and how the bill could actually be a game changer in keeping children protected online as well. So this is why, you know, this is why we're talking about this, this because it's such a pressing topic as well. And at this day and age, if we don't make a margin, if we don't keep a standard or put some rules and regulations in place now, then in five, ten years, you know, when social media is going to and technology is going to flourish even more, you know, who knows what's going to be out there in five to ten years. Correct. We, you know, we, we will suffer and our children will suffer as well. So there has to be something that needs to be in place. You know, um, Shujil, as you was mentioning, it, yeah. I, I just remembered, you know, this artificial, uh, <coughs> sorry, artificial yeah. intelligence out there that they can, they can change your facial um, features or it could, it could make a whole new body out yeah. and think, okay, that's the person in front of you in actual, but in actual, it's AI version in front of you. Mm. So technology is already advancing so much. If you not, if you, if you don't put boundaries around it, the children um, will be exposed to so much um, information at this young age that they will not be, un- underst- uh, be, be able to understand what's happening suddenly around them. Yeah. Because yeah. information should be um, fed you know, uh, at, at a certain time, at a certain age, so they can um, observe it um, and understand it also. If you suddenly has everything um, open to them, hmm. like we even mentioned the first um, hour, that in indecency, it's being ap- exposed to um, nine-year-olds. Nine year well. it, uh, it could be even earlier. Yeah. But that's uh, an average which, have, average which has been taken out to children mm. which is nine years old. Mm. You know, and having so much information at that young age. You know, I remember when I was young, because I just think I'm comparing myself when I was in that age, the technology was out there, but um, the boundaries wasn't there, mm. but no one knew about this stuff. There was no much, uh, there wasn't exposure mm. at that time in 2000, 2001, yeah. I'm talking about here. And when we were growing up, my, my, my social media for me was going out, cycling, playground, and just relaxing, you know, with the friends uh, uh, yeah. after school, just go out, play for, uh, kick a ball around, or play football. Play football, or, whatever, or, go to the park or anything, isn't go it? To park, and, that, and that was our social uh, media for us, our social circle. But, you know, I see um, my, um, what's called my younger generation in, in my family, their, their social um, the social gatherings um, over the phone mm. and what's it called um, um, what's it called chatting mm. or playing games together online or online or having the headphones in and just and you know I just remember <laughs> the joke you know a, a that's a joke uh, was, for example you know a parent said to the child uh, he was playing games saying why don't you go play outside he took the console outside <laughs> you know <laughs> just light, uh, uh, lighten the mood here yeah. you know it's it, it's a serious topic you know social media and how it's affecting our children and you know that's why I remember this joke also you know that that's, this is how our younger generation is understanding yeah and when I went you know when I when we go out after um, four or five o'clock um, we uh, when we were young it, it used to be packed um, mm. the parks used to the be parks used to be yeah. full with children playing and everything but now when you go there you don't see anything it's it's uh, it's a barren land mm. and there is um, quietness yeah. it's calmness There's, before it was havoc yeah. right? you especially children, on the weekends you especially on the yeah, weekends exactly. it was like you see children ah, screaming around let's go mm. and, the, and the, so someone's playing hide and, uh, hide and seek and someone's playing um, some other games also yeah, and it was it, it, it these um, things which have to be you know uh, um, for and it's, this um, will help their mental health, mm. their physical health, 
and these things um, keep them positive keep as well. them positive keep also them, uh, keep them healthy yes because yeah. they, they they don't have to think about anything they just all the energy just let loose the yeah. old energy which which is inside them because a young child has so much energy mm. they can go for hours they running around hours running around yeah, isn't it you're yeah. a father you know better I know, than me they, they do that they do, <laughs> yes. they do that but the, you know i was reading um uh, an article as well just a couple of days ago actually uh, that uh, you know you know the you know television you know people children are not watching television uh, as well i mean if you're specifically talking about social media and things which are available online and um what they see mm-hmm. what they see on the television as well people or children especially they're not watching ch- television as they used to as well mm-hmm. so when you know when 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 i was younger my generation as well uh, obviously you know the you know the, the you know the social aspect was of course going outside playing around Correct. going to the park and all of that but when we were at home we used to watch television yes and after school there used to be you know one or two hours where some some cool some good you know shows used to come on yes. and then after that they used to they used to finish and then the adult shows would start and then obviously yes. you, you don't watch them isn't it you just turn the tv off then um but then now that because they don't have that anymore they kids are just watching youtube yes. they they're watching other things and it's a continuous cycle it's not just for half an hour program or one hour program it's an endless cycle and when one video finishes the algorithm is such that it goes on to another video yes. a similar video and they just keep on going keep on going the whole day they'll be in front of the tv just watching the same sort of sort of thing so just just to compare myself to yeah. my younger generation right yeah. now yeah. so when when i used to watch when i moved to uk and i i was watching cartoons but i was watching american cartoons so my accent um, turned a bit um, um, was quite had an american touch to it mm. when i went to school and they said oh are you from america or something that it's like no i'm from um germany yeah. and uh, say you, you don't have a german accent or anything but you have an american touch to your english yeah. i was like okay but you know um subconsciously you're learning something there mm. and now this you have um, younger children who are learning through um youtube videos or youtube um cartoons do you press one um um it's it's infinitive right now because mm. it, does, it doesn't finish it doesn't finish for us it was 2 hours and that's it, it and that was it isn't it but now it's it's a continuous cycle because the algorithm is such as always just gives you the next video the next video as well let's speak to our uh, our guest who's on the line with us Graham Mohan who's an entrepreneur CEO of Be Secure online peace be upon you good afternoon and welcome to the show thank you guys thank you so much for joining us now just to begin with in your opinion how important is it to have a safe internet day? um safer internet day how i think we could make more effort to celebrate and promote safer internet i think it's quite discreetly mm. uh put about and i think we need to make more noise i think there needs to be more posters in the streets more advertising more support and i think it ought to be a very definite day in the school calendar and not as dimly promoted as it is now mm. i really do think that schools should pin this day right into the calendar from the very first day of uh, school year and promoters uh, because it is as you guys have been saying a huge topic mm. and it needs to be underpinned and developed properly because these devices are the future yeah. and the kids are going to absolutely rely on technology and chatbg whatever it's called gpt and all of these things into the future so we need to make a lot of noise and we need to get this right now 
The, the UK is supporting a new law which will actually make social media companies legally responsible for, you know, for, the, the, for the content that, they, that, that are on their sites as well. What do you think about that? I think that I think the politicians like sounding important and saying these things, but uh, I don't see the follow through on this. I, I'm reminded of the banking crisis. I'm reminded of lots of things in the mm. political sphere where these things are said but not acted on. Are they really going to really put the um, chairman of Facebook in jail? Um, I think he'd rather pay a, a $15 billion fine. But fines are kind of meaningless. But we need menace. But um, I, and I think the other thing, the, 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 bill needs to, the bill needs to reflect the real dangers and it, it has, needs to have real menace in it. But I really do not believe that they uh, really intend doing what they say, which is potentially jailing and criminalizing senior executives um, in these companies. And I don't believe anybody working in these companies believes that that is a real threat. Mm. That's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Now, some people think that the the proposed, uh, you know, the, the online safety bill would actually restrict free speech. Do you agree with that? No, I think uh, I think free speech is. I think it, I, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's always going to be there. But uh, what we have as a society now is everybody seems to take offence so lightly mm. and so quickly and so easily at everything that is said. Um, everything is something. It's some kind of phobia. It upsets somebody. We need a robust exchange of views in the public uh, domain, be that online or elsewhere. And you need to be able to say things that upset some. Um, you know, that is a basic premise of human freedoms. And mm. we deserve that. Um, but by the same token, we need to have some kind of constraint um, uh, through the legal system where people can't say clearly outrageous things. Um, mm. But I think free speech is something we need to be very careful about. And I think we need to be very careful about how we tread on social media so that we protect free speech. And it's not easy. And I'm not saying, by the way, I have the answer. But I'm very concerned to see free speech being so easily curtailed and everybody taking offence about everything on social media. Now, Graham, uh, some of the things that we can actually do, which would actually make a positive impact for kids especially. Tell us your thoughts on how parents, how schools, online platforms can actually help kids and, uh, and young children help uh, you know develop healthy safe and also responsible uh, habits while being online yeah I, I think I detected that one of you I think it's yourself is a, a parent and mm. the other presenter is not um, I am a parent um, the first thing to remember is that we are we are we, we, we we're not up for re-election as parents we are dictators in our own home and we can do as we please. And we need to be robust about uh, demanding that our children do as we wish. And we need to say less gaming. We need to say less time on your phone. I need to be able to see what's on your Snapchat account. Mm. And um, I think parents, parents need to get into the gaming ring. And they cannot forgive themselves um, for, for I've been busy a day at, at work all day. I've just made dinner. Mm. Um, you know, looking after your children is a full-time job. Nobody said it was going to be easy. Yeah. And unfortunately, phones, social media, gaming, 
Fortnite, um, Roblox and Snapchat have made life more difficult. Yes. You know, Graham, as you just mentioned, um, the parents are to make them able to see um, phones of the children. Isn't it a invasion of privacy as such? No, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Um, the child is, uh, until the child is 18, um, and this is absolute nonsense. It gets put, about, gets put about in schools. Where did any child get the expectation of privacy on her Snapchat account? It is the parents' job to be uh, to be supervising their children, and it is the parents who might be held responsible by the police. Mm-hmm. Um, no child has should have the right of privacy or the expectation of privacy when she is on or he is on Snapchat and Instagram or TikTok and is uh, is 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 lobbing grenades at her friends or his friends designed to upset them. Um, I'm absolutely convinced that. The parent is in charge at the home, and until the child goes past the age of consent, be it 21 or 18, um, the parent has the right of access to the kid's social media, phone and or gaming. Perfect. Thank you so much, Graham, for joining us today and enlightening our viewers with your opinions. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. So this was Graham. Very interesting uh, yes. speaking to Graham there as well, isn't it? And I think you know, to 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 an extent, to an extent, you know, it is it is you know quite interesting as well because what he was saying you know, actually makes sense as well. Yes, uh, to an extent as well because he was saying that you know you can't expect <coughs> children to have absolute privacy, isn't it? Correct. You, you can't just expect you know thirteen, fourteen, fifteen year old to. Just you know, be on their own, and to you know, just have a have. There's an extent to privacy, which I understand. I 100% agree that children should have their privacy as well. But of course, you know, when it comes to different things, what they're posting online, if they're talking to someone, um, you know, online as well, they might not even know the person they're talking to because of the you know the the apps as well. You can talk to maybe different people that you don't even know. Yes. You aren't even in your contacts. So yes. it's, yeah, there yes. is that way. Yes, yes. So when you're at age, a young age, twelve, thirteen, be fourteen, or even fifteen, yeah, you know, uh, you're still developing. You're of course, still learning of course. Yourself. And it, if you if you don't have the guidance from your parents or your guardians or someone who is responsible of of that child, and he's not guiding he or she um, what to do in, in in the next steps, yeah, then they can derail themselves and go towards the wrong path. And be it um, many um, social media platforms, which Graham even mentioned, yeah, and you can you know go into bullying or being bullied at that platform also. That's you the can thing, become a bully it? there because you you're because behind, the online, screen behind the screen isn't and you it? can just type something and uh, you don't know how it's affecting the other person or yeah. what has been written to you, how is it affecting you. Yeah. So you know these awarenesses the parents have to t- tell the children. Cyber bullying as well, isn't it? Correct. Cyber bullying. This, a lot of people a lot of people actually come are prey to this uh, as well or victim to this as well rather um, let's speak to our next guest who's on the line with us, Imran Ahmed, who is the founder and CEO of the Center for Countering Digital Hate. Asalaamu Alaikum. Peace be upon you. Welcome to the show, Imran. Welcome, Salam. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Can you tell us a little bit, uh, uh, for the benefit of our listeners, what your organization is all about? So the Center for Countering Digital Hate looks at the ways in which um, social media in particular creates some risks, some harms to our society. It writes reports on those. It encourages platforms to change, to adapt, to try and mitigate, to try and deal with those harms. And where they fail to do so, which sadly all too often is the case, 
it encourages legislation and regulation to step in to have the backs of users and the backs of parents and 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 force the platforms to do the right thing hmm. and we're talking about legislation as well do you think that the new bill about online safety which is um actually you know which is actually it hasn't been passed yet but uh, they're talking about it will actually make it online you know being online much safer especially for for children well look i mean i was the first witness to give evidence to the draft bill committee back in september hmm. 2021 so this has been going on for quite some time now it's right. over a year that this legislation has been contemplated discussed last summer there was a real debate within the conservative party over the bill and i think that the final bill that we've got that currently is in the house of lords it's just been through what's called second reading which is its introduction and now it's being debated in detail but the final bill is a really strong bill it's probably the strongest legislation around the world for forcing social media companies to to actually enforce their own rules and i think that's what's so clever and elegant about the british solution the online safety bill is that what it does is it says look you're a platform you say you're not allowed to post hatred you're not allowed to post disinformation you can't post content that encourages children to develop eating disorders or to self harm mm. um actually if you don't enforce your own rules what well, and that causes harm to people we may fine you and the fines that are in the bill are extraordinary they're 1/10 of the global revenues of these companies which mm. is quite significant yeah yeah so i mean with this is there anything else that you would like to see government bodies politicians and other regulators do to actually make a positive difference well look this this things that all of us can do the things that we as members of the public can do on social media platforms and our latest report um is called deadly by design it looks at tiktok hmm. and studies um eating disorder and self harm content on tiktok right what it found we set up accounts as 13 year old girls in four different countries we then looked at what tiktok was serving up in the first half hour on you page hmm. and what we found is that within two and a half minutes it was starting to feed um those children without any without you know any without the children requesting this information right. it was sell, sending them pro self harm content so content saying it's normal and fine to cut yourself wow. within 8 minutes it was mm. sending them content on eating disorders saying it's normal and fine mm. to restrict your diet to 700 calories a day now 700 calories a day is a starvation diet it will kill you eventually and so we saw that content coming really rapidly being forced into um into children's timelines and I I don't know if your listeners have, have will remember Ian Russell whose daughter Molly was a 14-year-old girl who tragically took her own life a few years ago. Mm. The courts found that in her case Instagram and Pinterest had been responsible in part for her death because of the frequency with which they were serving her up self-harm content um that encouraged her to take her own and hmm. Ian uh, Molly's father who suffered the greatest tragedy that any parent can suffer to lose their child he and i wrote a parents guide which is on our website counterhate.com/parents where parents can understand how to start the dialogue with their kids about the content they're seeing online 
and help them understand why some of the things they're seeing aren't normal and are actually really dangerous. So that's things that people can do. There's things that platforms can do, which is that they can change the way that their algorithms work. And Hmm. you'll hear that word a lot when people talk about social media and algorithm. Basically, it's it's how they decide what content to give to more people. And so... You know, social media platforms, they pick and choose what content they, they actually send to millions of users. And we're saying those those algorithms, those, those selection procedures need to be thought about in terms of safety of children. And then finally, there's more that regulators can do, and that is, you know, includes making sure that they're working with organizations like mine, the Center for Countering Digital Hate, to understand what are the emerging problems, not just what do we know exists already, but what are the new ones? Because it's always moving, it's always evolving, it's always changing. Gosh, look, I, I use uh, Twitter, I use Instagram, but TikTok, it gives me a migraine. And, it's, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a middle-aged man now. So as technology moves along, I think we need to keep having organizations advising the government and helping them to make sure that their legislation keeps addressing the latest harms which nowadays, of course, includes virtual reality. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're talking about that before uh, before as well. Imran, you, you spoke a little bit about this as well, but uh, for the benefit of our, listen, for, of our listeners, can you tell us or share some of the tips that you have for parents? Because obviously, you know, as technology, as social media is progressing, it's getting more and more advanced, the, algor- the algorithms as well, um, which what content they are, they're actually portraying or giving to the, the users as well. What can parents do um, to actually make sure that they can actually provide a safe place for their children, for the kids? Well, first of all, I mean, the Surgeon General of the United States, who we met with recently, talked to his team about the, our findings. He came out recently and said that parents should be very careful about giving their kids access to social media at a very young age. So at 13, he said, was too young. Mm. And I think there is an argument to say that we need to be, we need to have an active dialogue with children about the age at which they get access to social media platforms. But we also have to be realistic. Children will demand access to social media platforms. It is one of the main ways in which they're able to create community, to share information with each other. Um, mm. And so what we have suggested, and, and of course, there is this enormous knowledge gap. So parents quite often don't yeah. know what their kids are seeing. We're yeah. not in the old, in the old days. We all sat around the television and we could have a talk about what we were seeing. So we've suggested that parents need to enter a two way dialogue. They need to have their kids explain to them what they are seeing. So they should learn from their kids what they are seeing online Mm. you know ask them to show them what they are seeing online and then to teach them actually the reason you're seeing this so frequently is because platforms you know are serving this up to you to understand the algorithms to understand how these platforms work and then to tell them you know some of the stuff you're seeing isn't normal actually a normal response to feeling depressed is not to hurt yourself it, there are other ways of dealing with it. And that way you're creating a dialogue in which the kids are teaching parents what they're seeing so that you're really understanding what it is that their experience is like, what it is that's influencing their minds, and that you're then able to provide them with contextual information, with rich information to help them to understand better how they should interpret the stuff that they're seeing on these social media platforms. Because without that dialogue, what we're going to get is we're going to we're going to what's going to remain is this enormous knowledge gap between Mm. kids and parents. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, Imran, well, thank you so much for for uh, for your expertise uh, and joining us as well and shedding some light uh, on this as well. It's been very beneficial for us and hopefully for our, for our listeners as well. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Let's see. That was uh, that was Imran Ahmed, who is the founder and CEO of the Centre for Countering Digital Hate as well, and quite quite very interesting Correct. actually. You know, the, all, the four accounts they made of in four different countries. I, I, I think it was age thirteen or fourteen. Um, and they were being shown by the algorithm, um, what's it called, self-harm contact. Mm, yeah. I just remember, you know, there was a season a um, couple of years back which which the school said um, it, it's, it should be banned for children to watch. It was plus 15. For, um, for that's why it was rated plus 15 and afterwards. Mm. And because um, it was um, about self-harming. And at such young age, when you've been showing these things, okay, it's all fine. You can do it. You can do that. Mm. It's quite uh, alarming because the child is still developing. Yeah. Obviously, you're a teenager, right? But you're still yeah. a child. You're still, you're still a child. You're still a you're child, still a child, child. Right? So you're still developing and your mind is still developing at that at age because you it's so much information out there nowadays that you're still understanding all that information. Mm. But, you know, the children nowadays, they're way... They're more... Uh, uh, cleverer than us when it comes to technology they know mm. how to use you know different types of I was like, cameras quickly they mm. know slide here slide there and this opens this camera and this opens that camera and yeah. they're just quickly into it you know I'm always surprised you know how the human mind works also <laughs> it is <laughs> I mean the thing is, is that however however we progress right obviously there will be new things new technology new advancements which come into place as well yes and obviously you know the the younger you are uh, at a younger age you'll be exposed to those things Great. as well isn't it and it's even imran mentioned you know yeah. the, the children should be telling you what they're watching mm. they should be explaining explaining it to you as, as, as i was mentioning before when i was watching american cartoons i was picking up um american unco- words and american words or accent yeah. and it was Unconsciously, mm. and the children are picking up from. We might the children, parents might think, okay, this is cartoons, it's just yeah. this animation and stuff, right? Yeah. And nothing to learn from or something, but they, they're learning something from it. Yeah. The children are learning, and if parents, that's why you know, as um, our, our last guest um, from the previous hour she said that it's about three C's, right? The uh, having a um, compassion. Connection, connection, compassion, connection, yeah. compassion, and communication. Yeah. So being able to speak with them and being and being able to tell them, okay, tell us what you have been watching, mm. for example, on YouTube today, mm. and because YouTube is infinitive, and now literally now the YouTube because I've been I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm I've been off social media for some time now. I haven't downloaded any of the platforms anymore. My accounts are there; they're yeah. active. I, I still get emails from them, but I haven't been on it for some time. I think it's been um, two month plus now. It must feel it must feel good though, isn't it? Yeah, but the thing is, uh, <laughs> you have YouTube now, which has the same algorithm, right? Yeah. Where you can just watch shorts on it. Shorts on it, yeah, yes, exactly. And, and that's the endless cycle, isn't it? It's endless cycle. That's again. the thing. That's so the thing. They, I'm off those platforms, but YouTube, obviously, you can't get off YouTube, right? Because there's so much information there, so much to learn from. Mm. So you have to be be able to um, understand this. You know, once uh, a child asked uh, his holiness. The fifth, may Allah strengthen his hand. Um, uh, can children have bones, right? Yeah. And just, you know, these are my own words, it's just quickly uh, simplifying. Paraphrasing. Pa- paraphrasing quickly. Yeah. So Azur asked him, Why do you even need a phone? Oh, to c- connect to my parents. Saying, How old are you? Oh, he was 10 years old. Mm. Saying, we don't need um, such gadgets if um, for for day to day use, right? For youngsters, 
Yeah. Uh, these uh, because they lead towards other stuff. So simply, you know, what my, my father did to me was he gave me a those uh, brick phones we called them, right? <laughs> so the phone yeah. which has the, uh, numbers. Those on, old Nokia phones. Okay, oh yeah, Nokia phones, and I had that for I think good three, four, three, four years while I was mm. going to school because we were new here, and we didn't know. I was traveling by bus for half an hour, forty-five minutes to a different um, um place to mm. understand what I, um the school I was going into. Yeah, and. The, just for my own safety, I was given that phone. I wasn't given a smartphone because smartphones were still they were available when I went. I think year eight, hmm. and they were in the in the early stages. But I was never given that until hmm. I reached a certain age where I was about to go college. Uh, and after my GCSEs, I was given a good phone. Right, right. So because by that time I was I was aware of all the issues um, connecting with it. You know that you know this is one. You know, big, big problem, uh, I believe, as well, is that sometimes we see that children at, you know, at a very, very young age, you know, you even less than 10 years old, they'll be walking on the street and with the phone in their hands. And obviously, it's a smartphone. Isn't it? No one has yes. brick phones anymore, isn't it? All the phones now are smartphones. <laughs> They're better than my phones now. <laughs> <laughs> but they have, you know, they, they're just flicking through, they're just doing, playing a game or whatever. They're doing something on a phone. Yes. And they're, you know, they're on the street or... Uh, but at a, at a very young age as well, and that's when the thing is, is that when when that is happening, if the parents know about you know what the children are doing, then fine, you know that's that's on them. But if the children don't know what the children are doing, the parents, what they're playing, yes. what they're watching, if they're going on social media, or you know sometimes it can be as that they just you know they 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 bought something, you know they bought something on the app store, yes. or Google store, <laughs> Play Store, whatever it may be. Yeah, and then and then they and then they realize that afterwards. I mean, that's you know, even you know, uh, being aware of the surroundings while you're on your phone walking down the street. Yeah, yeah, that's dangerous. Dangerous in, well. in itself. Exactly. So, yes. Let's speak to let's speak to. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about this uh, as well afterwards. But uh, let's speak to our next guest who is on the line with us, Professor Amanda Lee. Uh, Giordano, assalamu alaikum. Peace be upon you. Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, to begin with, how important are these uh, Internet Safety Days in order to raise awareness and obviously help us develop responsible and safe habits while you know going 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 online? Yeah, I think it's vitally important in light of who's using the internet. So. Um, recently, we did a study looking at adolescents in the U.S., and we found that 100% had at least one social media account, and several hmm. had more than one. And I know um, research tells us that by age 15 in the U.K., 95% of youth are using social media. Hmm. So when you think about adolescents and their use of the Internet, we have to think about where they are developmentally. And we know that adolescents' brains are still in the process of maturation, and that continues until about 25 years old. Mm. So they can really benefit from education about the risks and the benefits of what they might see online or be exposed to, the risks and benefits of social media, so they can make informed decisions. I think we want to set adolescents up for success, but mm. also help inform parents so they can raise their children well in this digital age. Now, Professor, you have a PhD in counselling and uh, human development services. W w what do you think yes. are the reasons behind uh, teenage or adolescent self-harm uh, posts on social media platforms? I think that's a great question. And the research on the <clears throat> motives for posting about self-harm online is very interesting. 
So some erroneously believe that it's just for attention, and Mm. I think that this really minimizes the issue. Mm. Um, Scholars have found that compared to those who don't post self-harm content online, Mm. women who Mm. engage in self-harm and post about it have more severe symptoms, more suicidality, more clinical symptoms. They have less resilience and lower self-esteem. So I think people who are posting online may have more severity in their psychological distress and in the trauma that they may have faced. Other scholars have identified that some of these motives are looking for support or looking for a sense of belonging. Um, There's a lot of stigma and shame around self-injury, so they may feel safer talking about it online to avoid that stigma. And really, um, looking for help. We know that NSSI, which is non-suicidal self-injury, it's often an adolescent's best attempt to cope with severe psychological distress, but it's also not an effective or adaptive coping strategy long-term. So they're in this difficult situation of having this overwhelming psychological pain and a coping strategy that isn't effective long-term. So they may be online just seeking help and looking for support. So, Professor, you know, I wanted to ask, yeah, how is social media so um, addictive? You, from one um, post, you go to the other, and you don't know you've spent an hour plus on social media today, <laughs> suddenly. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. and there's a lot of in- intention behind that. It's intentionally made, I think, very um, irresistible and enticing for a couple of different reasons. So it's free and it's easily accessible. It's endless, so there's no natural stopping point like at the end of a movie or the end of a book. It's also a quick distraction and a quick and easy way to change the way that you feel. So if you want to feel good, you can check social media and see if you have any likes. If you want to avoid feeling bad, like loneliness or Mm -hmm. depression, you can get online and have a, a way to change your mood. But I think the biggest piece that makes it so addictive and enticing is that it provides this positive reinforcement. So the um, feedback features, particularly of social media, giving a like or sharing something or a comment, uh, it engages the reward center in the brain. So when we receive feedback from social media, it's rewarding because it's activating our dopamine system in Mm -hmm. the brain. And the dopamine is the neurotransmitter that's implicated in things like pleasure and reward. And so this um, social media provides a means of social capital, social reward, and it's positively reinforcing. And by activating our dopamine system, it actually um, sidesteps the prefrontal cortex, which is the part of our brain that helps us make rational decisions and executive functioning, goal-oriented behavior. Rather than choosing when we're going to get on social media, we see a notification which triggers a little bit of dopamine release because we've associated that notification symbol with a reward, like a like or a comment on social media. So we now have this urge to check it. So we're not checking social media because we've deliberately and intentionally planned out, this is the best time for me to check it right now in my day. But instead, it's almost on impulse as the result of this urge. And that's how it really becomes compulsive. So I think that the fact that it's engaging our reward pathway is part of why it becomes so enticing and addictive. But there are several other things like the filters to make us look more attractive, Mm -hmm. the algorithms so we see more of what's interesting to us. All of this, the goal is to keep users engaged for as long as possible. And so there's a lot of intentionality behind making these apps 
very enticing. Professor, very well said. And even myself, uh, I've been off of social media platform for a month, but I've been receiving emails every other day saying, oh, come back, there are so many likes there, or someone has given it a... That's my personal choice, uh, just to keep myself um, busy for the work. Yeah. That's why. You know, I teach an addictions class yes. in my university, and my students have to abstain from something for the whole semester. So for 15 wow. weeks, they give up something they enjoy. Half the class always gives up social media. And they talk about that, how they keep getting emails and prompts to return back to it and see what they've missed. And it is very um, strategic that mm -hmm. the goal really is to keep people using uh, for as long as possible and then to come back to it if they choose to give it up. Yes, Professor, thank you so much for um, all the wisdom you have given us today and especially regarding how you, you make you, um, your students give up something 15 weeks. That's, yeah. that's, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> thank, you. thank you so well, much. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, that was you know, quite interesting. Yes. Uh, also, you know, speaking to Professor Amanda uh, there as well and all of these things, you sometimes you realize that you know, just like you mentioned as well, your personal experience yes. that, and our professor also spoke about it as well. That you know, you know if you if you if you if you come out of social media, if you sort of uh, you know abandon it uh, in a way for for about a few days or a week or two, then they themselves you know tell you no, come back, come back, come back to our to, to, to our social media outlet, our platform, and go back on it. You know, um, I, I, I don't know about this. I was just telling uh, my experience, right? Yeah. And when she when the professor men mentioned that okay, she makes the, the students, students yeah. to uh, give up something for 15 weeks and most of them give up um, social media. Hmm. Because, uh, you know, that's one thing. Like, social media has his benefits, right? Hmm. Um, and it gives awareness out and it, it can teach you also, right? But there's also a negative impact of social media. Yeah. Um, Which we can't deny. We, can't, we deny. can't deny. There's always pros and cons for um, social media. That's why it's, social media is, is a controversial topic. Mm. You can learn something and you can lose something. Yeah. So for, for myself, when I was seeing myself um, going um, through posts for X amount of time and it it, it, and it felt like five minutes to me. Hmm. And when you look at the, the, the time, actual time, it was time, an hour, two one, hours, one maybe, hour, isn't two it? Hours. And it's like, if I'm, if, if I'm wasting so much, because I'm not learning there, right? I'm just scrolling through videos. Yeah. And if I can spend that time learning, let's try um, a another way of doing something. So this is my um, trial and error, basically, right now. Hmm. So it, does social media help me or does it uh, stop me from something? So far, what I've, for my personal thing is that hmm. It, I, I'm, I'm learning more about social media since I've left social media because mm. I'm always constantly interesting in, in, interested about social media. That's why, you know, when I get uh, um, um, these topics regarding social media, I'm uh, and youngsters ask me these topics and when we talk about it and they're like, oh, because my friends are using it, that's how I'm using it. And there's some things which um, um, are there to keep them interested. For example, there's for for, an, for a, a platform, there's something called Streaks. So every day you have to go and take a, a picture and send it to your friend and they can keep a streak with you. Mm. And for an X amount of time, and some kids said to me they have it for 300, 400, 400 days now, mm. they've been sending um, um, posts um, to each other. Yeah. I was like... But uh, what are you sending? I was saying, oh, sometimes I send a picture of ceiling or something, yeah. or something else. Of, of just, just nothing, isn't it? Just, just to just keep nothing. that. And I was like, um, yeah. what do you gain out of it afterwards? I was like, nothing. Yeah. And 
you know there was silence after even to now we can just i can yeah. just hear a silence out of like what I was like, how is that even possible you mm. gain nothing out of it and you you doing it but you're still doing it isn't it so i was like that's what i was like to, to young that's why i'm always fascinated by social media and they're always it's so addictive as all well, that yes, that's the that's the problem that's the problem, uh, that's professor, the problem. professor even mentioned the um what's it called um or um, what's it called um dopamine yeah yeah it gets released because uh, you gain pleasure by watching these videos because they're fun it's it's linked to you hmm. for example i like cars hmm. and i see my algorithm with cars and if i and i like traveling and i see so many places in uk um uh, where About i can go and, well. and i have so many um, screenshots okay i might visit there if i have time one day or i'll go there if i have time another day because the, the the way that the algorithms work is is so intricate as well isn't yes. it and they know how to pinpoint make it exactly yes, that's molded for that specific person isn't that's, it that's, that's why the when Im- imran um who um, yeah. the guest before um professor he said when they meet four accounts of 14 year or 13 years old and mm. different countries they were getting a self harm post mm. quickly in within two without even asking without, without, without even searching even asking. for it or asking for it as well so be- because they that age group was saying okay mm. yes you need these kind of stuff for yourself these are some you know interesting interesting thoughts uh, uh, as well but you know let's Let's speak to our next guest who is on the line with us David Wright who's a director at UK Safer Internet Center peace be upon you good afternoon and welcome to the show David Um good afternoon it's uh, it's great to be here thank you for the invitation to come and talk to you on thank this very important day Absolutely absolutely and thank you for for coming as well to begin with can you tell our listeners a little bit more about your organization uh, Indeed um uh, so the UK Safer Internet Center it's actually a partnership of three charities um uh, and we are and have been since 2011 um so the UK Safety Center with a number of obligations we are uh, responsible as the national center for managing um illegal uh, child sex abuse material online mm-hmm. we operate helplines that support directly and indirectly support those vi- vi- those victims and those experiencing online uh, online harms um but, but our biggest role perhaps is one of awareness raising so it is things exactly like today around safe net day our, our role um uh, over the last decade has been uh, of orchestrating of coordinating uh, the day and making it into what it is uh, we are as well one of 32 national european centers across europe together with the european in safe uh, network and it is that european network that uh, that first created safe internet day some 20 years ago mm-hmm. so david if you can um um tell our listeners what are the main areas of risk for the internet safety regarding children and how can they be best avoided so the uh, you know as as we've heard the, the internet um the internet offers us um, extraordinary um, opportunities offers all of us you imagine certainly over the course of the last 3 years the reliance that we've all had True. on technology mm. um but, but as all these things um there is uh, with power comes great responsibility as one very famous quote uh, goes on mm-hmm. uh, goes on to account so in terms of broad risk we always refer to uh, which is something that professor sonny livingston coined the four c so uh, issues associated with content contact conduct and contract So mm-hmm. if you like broad sense around the the, the content that children can be that can encounter online um that the, the fact that they can be contacted online but equally as well you know their conduct online as well as the contract issues the uh, the commercial aspects you were just listening to the, the previous discussion around some of those 
perhaps what could be quite harmful um, contract issues as well. But I think Safe Internet Day is all around um, you know, celebrating and marking all the positive aspects around the internet and being online and, and technology. And today's theme is all around conversations. This this year's theme is all around uh, conversations um, that young people, that children, that young people, that families, that parents, that everybody in that indeed can, can be having about the internet, life online, mm-hmm. um, some of the opportunities as, as well as some of the risks as well. So that's the thing that we're calling about today. Certainly the research that we launched um, the first thing that, that this morning, you know, if we think about children and parents, so nearly nearly two-thirds of young people and children, uh, and this is of eight, of eight to 17-year-olds across the UK, feel that they can help their parents know more about being online. Mm-hmm. Because we also included 36% of parents, just over one in three, aren't really sure what to do when children actually talk to them about uh, wow. online safety issues. So th- th- there, is a, there is a mutual learning that goes on, on here uh, as well. Correct. Um, I would like just to add as well, um, which is that the parents have got a vital, central um, role in all of this. I often hear parents talking about, um, well, this is their world. Um, this is their world. Um, they are, they're so good at it. And we do know that children are fearless when it comes to using technology. We, we're swiping, we're clicking, we can... Uh, we, we have no fear about picking up technology, mm-hmm. but that fear doesn't necessarily mean whilst they're confident, they're not necessarily, they're still children, they'll still be making mistakes that children inherently will be mistake, will, will, be, will make, be making as well. So the, that's why it's fundamentally important that these conversations happen in, uh, in, in homes, in families, right across the country. Perfect. Thank you so much, David. You know, these um, great wisdom words there. And, you know, I also um, I wanted to ask, you know, there's a proposed um, social media bill um, which makes the companies more liable uh, and responsible um, of the content, content which is being shown on their platforms and remove those harmful contents from the platforms. Will that be effective for the children if this happens? So there's been much talk for many, many, many years about the online safety bill, um, which, which are absolutely right. And and we are still yet to see the online safety bill. So I'm going to add that right at the start is that we still don't know exactly what the online safety bill. We know what it aims to achieve, and that is to, uh, to, 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 um, to hold platforms, particularly social media and search engines, to account for a duty of care to protect their users. So as an organisation, we're very supportive, but we think there are gaps in the online safety bill mm-hmm. um, but, but again uh, you know coming back to safe internet day uh, that's where parents where families can be certainly taking more of the positive aspect so yes we, we may well have regulation come along along the lines but that, which may well help but it's not going to be the panacea it's not going to um uh, to resolve all these particular issues um, it doesn't for example cover your internet connection at home it doesn't cover other websites that are not social media or not search engines. And so that's why it's really important that conversations are had, that that connection, the understanding of what your children do on their um, on their devices, on these particular services. Uh, and, and so a whole series of tips, I would, I would encourage everybody to go to safeinternet.org.uk, the UK Safe Internet Centre's website. Yes. And I say that again, so safeinternet.org.uk. We've got a multitude 
of information there, particularly ones for, for parents as well as those for children as well. The sorts of tips, the sorts of things that you can do um, as a parent to help to work with your children, to understand more about what's going on, what they're doing online, and to work together as a family as well. So safebrinsnet.org.uk is where you'll find that information. Perfect. Thank you so much, David, for joining us today and um, giving uh, the information regarding safer internet to our listeners. And I hope that our listeners have learned something new today. Thank you very much. Happy Safer Internet Day. Thank you so much. So this was David and he he was giving out his wisdom regarding mm. safer internet and which is all correct right mm. you know when we when we when we started off the sh- today's show uh, first with mental health and with social media and yeah. it was all about children and while even speaking to our guests um, it was um, surrounding children because they're the most vulnerable ones they're um, because they're at such a, a certain age that they're learning new things they're finding out about new things they're curious about stuff so they're mostly into getting okay well, what's going to happen next what's this you know that's how children are they yeah. they they want to know what everything is at, at such a young age that okay how does this happen how this and then if you give them so much information suddenly that's overwhelming for them also sometimes mm. absolutely absolutely you know when it comes to uh, any guidance you know yes. that we that we have received his holiness who is the worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community the fifth caliph of the of the promised messiah Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmed, may Allah be his helper. On this particular matter, when it comes to social media, he has said that, he mentions that misuse of the internet and social media is becoming common. If a thing or an act leads to harmful effects on the mind, then it is considered a vain thing and a characteristic of behaviors of believers is that they should avoid all that is vain. You know, that's, that's uh, it's important that we, that we do that. that. You know, if something that we see which has no purpose, which has no benefit to us, mm-hmm. we should simply avoid that thing. Correct. We should simply avoid that thing without any any sort of uh, thinking about it. Oh, maybe this or that. We need to actually realize that this is uh, a bad thing. We need to just leave that. Mm-hmm. Now, drawing attention to um, the members of the community, His Holiness is said in a different place in one of his sermons, the world has now moved far beyond just the risk of seeking inappropriate content on television. Rather, children are being exposed to masses of content on the internet, on YouTube, and on the various social media platforms. Children are viewing content on their phones, laptops, and tablets, often hidden from their parents' often hidden from their parents' view, and they themselves are not in control of what they are seeing. For example, if they are streaming a video or playing an online game, Pop-up adverts will frequently will frequently appear, often promoting harmful products or showing lewd content. You know, bad, um, vile, vile content mm-hmm. that is morally destructive and not age appropriate at all. It is an extremely harrowing state for you know or, you know of affairs. Thus, as many parents should closely monitor what their children are viewing and guide them about what is and is not appropriate so that the children are not, God forbid, included in the uh, horrifying statistics of lives that are being lost or ruined due to social media. You know, the effects of social media are so vast that, you know, so, f- for some people, as you know, our guests spoke about this as well, that sometimes, you know, they can be exposed to people self-harming mm-hmm. and it, that can lead to an extent that can, they can commit suicide. They might not even be 
going through a, a, a bad time. They might not even going be been going through a, a, a rough patch. They might just have you know they might just feeling down that day. Yes. But because they're being exposed to these things so much that that can actually lead their brain <clears throat> into thinking that you know this is the only path for me. This is my this is the next step that I'm that I'm going to take. And then unfortunately they take their lives. They they commit suicide or they do other things. They 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 cut themselves or they do other harm as well. But it's on the other side as well. It's not just this. It's you know if if they're being shown bad things inappropriate things uh you know sexual things that they you know or other things which are um you know the, the, you know because of the the algorithms work or whatever happens that they being exposed to these things or pop-ups come up as well that can you know that that can be that can you know even lead to trauma uh, as well right. for the for the for the kids and for the children as well so his holiness uh, he said that uh, so returning to the television the internet and social media if you wish to save yourselves and your families from their negative effects you must act with wisdom view content that increases your knowledge and understanding of the world of allah's creation and of course we are blessed to have um you know the the the, the muslim television ahmadiyya which is mta and that is you know obviously a, a channel uh, which is free and we can we can watch that and we can receive guidance uh, from that from that always as well. His holiness, his sermons are also there as well. So all of these these things are important, and it's important for us to have that balance because social media can be used for positive things and of course negative things uh, as well. But um, uh, that's you know that's all we have time for on our on our show today. Thank you, and it's always a pleasure uh, presenting with you, Saad, as well. Thank you to the. Uh, to the producers and the researchers as well, Farah Mirza and also Hadia Hasib uh, as well, and of course the technical the technical support uh, also. And also one producer Zile Huma Chaudhary. Zile Huma as well. Yes. Until next time, Assalamu alaikum.